Hello and welcome, heroes, to the Crit Academy. I am your host, Justin. And I am your co-host, Brandon. And I am your other co-host, Ian. This podcast was created to provide you, our heroes, with new and reusable material for both players and DMs. We hope to inspire you with creative content that you can use on your next adventure. Our show may not be suitable for young children, but neither are our D&D games. I think an adult. I am an adult. <laughs> Uh, this episode is brought to you by our generous Patreon donors. If you do not know, Patreon is a membership platform for creators to build relationships with their most loyal of fans, Notice Patrons. It is a tier-based reward system that allows you to support your favorite creators for as little as $1 a month in exchange for exclusive offers. So definitely head on over to CritAcademy.com and click our Patreon link and check out all our rewards, including in the most popular reward is joining uh, our show live and having a little bit of input as we record. If you listen to the show, you know that. There's plenty of other ways to support our show. Um, Brandon does uh, commission art. For $20, you can get a fully colored, full body. That's from head to toe. For $20, it's $10 for each additional character, and plus $2 for any dynamic backgrounds you might want. So I can Bob Ross that shit all, all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> What's really cool is that if you if you watch him stream, you can actually have input if you're up that late at night when he does it. So yeah, definitely check that stuff out. We want to thank you for joining us today here at Crit Academy Studios, where everything's made up and your roles don't matter. Yep, that's right. Your roles are like Kobold Press without Wolfgang Bauer. Who is the creator, which is awesome. Is that like Jack Bauer? No. No, I don't even Boop. know who that is. So. 24. Is that the show that's like 24 episodes long, but only takes a place in 24 hours or something? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen it. <laughs> Near by. I don't know anything about it, actually. <laughs> um, before we get into our, our, our topics, we like to start off every episode by giving away fat loot free shit compliments of our uh, sponsors each episode we will draw one lucky subscriber's name and they will win the five star rated adventure banquet of the damned compliments of goblin stone goblin stone is a community project for D&D fans based out of the uk they aim to be a place where you can team up with professionals to turn your ideas into high quality products and give every fan a chance to get published be sure to head over to www.goblinstone.com or you can check out our fellowship link on our website, www.criticality.com. And today, our winner of our first prize from Goblinstone is Blue Dragon Dagger. Congratulations to Blue Dragon Dagger. You are this week's uh, winner of the awesome five-star adventure. Um, if you enjoy the adventure, please head on over to goblinstone.com and leave him a review. Let him know what you like, what you didn't like, and help him improve his product. And check out all his other amazing content. For those of you who don't know, he does have a free uh, module um, called the, the Ghost Peddler, I think. He's got a really good free module. You should check it out. Is that about a bike that goes on its own? Oh my fucking god. <laughs> he makes really good stuff. <laughs> so we got a really great episode for you guys today. In our Let's Talk About Blink segment, we have a question in regards to magic in the, the D&D world. Our main topic I'm really excited for is we're doing a class analysis on the Midgard Heroes handbook, The Bard. So I'm really excited about that. The book is from Cobalt Press. And of course we have our Honor Tips and Tricks where we bring you new and reusable material for both players and DMs for you to bring with you on your next adventure. The only reason you listen to us. Yeah, honestly, yeah. So, <laughs> But before all that, we have In the Realm, and we kind of unanimously decided we're going to talk about what we did today. Um, before the show, uh, 
We went to a county fair now. Yep. I don't know the last time I had been to a county fair. Years. Long time. I'm pretty sure the last time I've been to a county fair was in uh, high school when I last showed in the 4-H fair. That's a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Brandon? I think I was 13. Yeah. I, I was actually in one uh, probably seven or eight years ago, but that's still a long time. So I ate a bunch of uh, fried food. <laughs> That's um, deep fried. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we uh, I got uh, fattened up quite a bit, um, as yep. if I can afford that. Um, but the most interesting thing we went to is we all got a little bit hillbilly and redneck today going to the tractor pole. Hey, so. Yeah, it was very interesting, wasn't it, folks? Yep, all them Chevys beat all them Fords and all them Dodges. <laughs> yeah, it was it was pretty fantastic. What did you think, Brandon? That don't make sense because I'm pretty sure the Dodge was in first. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it was in that one pole, sure, but in all the other ones, it was different with the Chevy that took the lead. You know, I don't get it's well, a tractor pole. We didn't see a single tractor pole. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, it was trucks pulling thing that was certainly not a tractor. <laughs> the weirdest thing, I'll be honest. It's definitely not my thing, but it was loud, and now I know I'm getting old because I plug my ears. You know, you're getting old, but you don't have to plug your ears because <laughs> you're deaf. <laughs> yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Um, it was definitely different. I can see why some people find it appealing. Um, it was hotter than the blazes of hell outside. Um, <laughs> right, Brandon? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'm sure each That's one of those it. trucks uh, killed about 5% of the ozone there with oh, all yeah. the smoke they were blasting away. <laughs> I took a picture and posted it on our Discord where it shows this, like, massive column of black smoke and, like, there goes the ozone. <laughs> uh, what did, so... I was really waiting for that good delivery you had earlier, and you, you, you let me down. You're talking about the fat chick part? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we were in the tent trying to kind of escape the heat for a minute, and Brandon turns to me and says, <laughs> Hey, we're having a fat chick party over here, and we turned the AC off, ladies. First one to have a beat of neck sweat, meet their butt crack wins. <laughs> is that from Larry the Cable Guy? No, it's from yeah. Family Guy. <laughs> so what you don't know is that when we were sitting on the bleachers waiting for the show to start, Alicia says, I wonder what place I'm in, because it just reached it. <laughs> yeah so it was i enjoyed myself but i probably wouldn't want to go to another one um what about you guys no <laughs> oh uh, other than the uh chick party i think what was the other comment i made the chick party i think i said it was hotter than the underside of an elephant's balls <laughs> i don't even know what that is i don't know i just assume what uh are you guys uh you guys are keeping an eye out on the chat yes. yeah right? okay um tater has an encounter uh tater has some ideas for us definitely email them to me uh, so, yeah, so it was an exciting day today. Um, we were kind of celebrating Brandon's return, uh, as well as some other stuff going on, uh, with our, our show. Our book is coming along. Um, I've actually just been asked, uh, to, uh, to add a few things to each segment and add a bigger intro, so I'm going to do that. The art is going to get, uh, tossed in at that point. Yep. Um, and I'm waiting for, uh, we actually, we're getting custom art for our 15 Monsters by Garen from... D&D Character Lab, so I'm excited for that. Uh, I really liked his art style, and I wanted to go for a adventurer is filling out these, kind of drawing these monsters that he sees and encounters, yeah, so yeah, I went yeah. for that very sketchy draw for that, so we'll see how that is. So I'm super excited for that. Brandon, <laughs> welcome back to the show. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me once again. Finally. <laughs> We've missed you. It's true. With mouth. Yeah. yeah, so I've been on second shift for the last two months, and it's taken us long to finally get the third. Yeah. So now that I'm on third shift, I can come back and I can be like, hey, I'm back, woo! And the wife and I moved back to our old apartment, so... Congratulations. Brandon hasn't been able to sleep since he got scared crapless. Oh, yeah. yeah if you guys <laughs> haven't seen that video, Justin's a fucking 
What, what was it? Asshole. It was five thirty in the morning. I'm working on a commission, right? And he's he's on his phone going, I'm gonna I'm gonna scare the fuck out of Brandon. Watch this. And he comes up to the door over here, to the man cave, and he goes just busts open, What are you doing? Like ah Gaka. <laughs> Good thing he was wearing his brown pants. But yeah, so if you're, <laughs> you're a patron, that video is on our Patreon page. You can go see it. It's one of the behind the scenes vi- videos, I think. <laughs> What do you mean you made him leave last week? What did what did he do to you? Oh yeah, I well, I walked off. Oh yeah. What? Why? Well, you if you because and watch the show, you would know be, because because Terry roasted him so hard. Yeah. <laughs> he was harassing him. Yeah. yeah, it was it was hardcore. And then uh, fucking Camden had the big cojones to just continue without me. <laughs> I was like fuck. <laughs> Anyways, we had the notes, but we're glad to have you back, Brandon. It's been a long time, and we missed you. I am very much so happy to be back. Yeah, we're glad to have you, man. Thanks for being back. That'll do it for In the Realm. Brandon, if they'd like to visit other realms, how can they do so? They can go to get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial from audible.com. Or you can go to <coughs> audibletrial.com forward slash critacademy. That, that's a great place because you can get a free book. Or you can find a link to it on our website. That too. Moving on to our Let's Talk About Blank segment, we have a question from James Barlett. You know, I kind of don't like how magic works in D&D. I mean, it's too formulaic and scientific. Honestly, there should be some kind of risk involved with casting a spell. Like, if a player wizard casts a spell, there should be a chance that the spell may fail or blow up in their face, if, you know, they're really unlucky. So, what do you guys think? Should there be some risk involved in spellcasting, or am I a total idiot in bringing it up? What do you think, Ian? Well, to the grid, this is already built into the game with uh, the Wild Sorcerer. I mean, they can't fail, but the, you do roll on the table if, to see if crap happens. And on top of that, there is in the Unearth Arcana, I forget what the archetype is called, but there is a wizard that says, What's this button do? <laughs> Isn't that one we just went through? Yeah. The, the uh, arcane tradition of invention or something? Yeah. yeah. What do you think, Brandon? I think in the sense of when someone makes a player or a character that is a wizard, you assume that they've had enough knowledge and experience to know what they're doing. Now, if you get someone who's a fighter who says, I want to be a wizard, and they start training, yeah, sure, blow something up in their face. That'd be great. <laughs> Until they can multi-class. I like that. <laughs> so right, do you like think they should trial, take, trial and error. Yeah. Do you think that's something that should happen during combat or something during like training? Like during in the, in the wizard's text, it actually says that they're training and they're researching during their downtime. Training, definitely. I think a good way to do it is the more they train, the lower the percentage is something bad's going to happen. And I think it was that way in some other editions, right? There was a chance of spellcasting failure, or am I mistaken? I uh, don't know. I didn't play Wizards I, until 4th editions. I want to say no, but don't quote me on that. Yeah, I'm not really sure. Like I, would, um, I would say a good way to go about it would be if you have someone who's multiclassing, they're just becoming a wizard or something like that, mm-hmm. and they're training on specific spells. Every time they train, you knock off a little bit of that percentage of what could go bad. So whenever they do an attack roll or they're casting their, their fireball or whatever, have them, <laughs> have them roll a percentage. If it meets that threshold, they hurt themselves. So, so you think it should? They, there should be some sort of penalty? Based on experience. So yes, you still think there should be some sort of penalty? If someone makes a character who is a wizard who knows what they're doing, no. If someone tries multiclassing someone who's never been a wizard, yeah. <laughs> sure. Um, now, I do want to mention, I'm not sure how the heck you would adapt this to 5th edition, but in the Green Run RPG of uh, Dragon Age, which was part of the Age system, the <laughs> spellcasters actually do roll a check to cast spells, and the higher level the spell is, the higher its target number. 
Okay. And if the spell doesn't have a prerequisite, you just fail at casting. But if it does have a prereq and you fail, then you go to the spell failure chart and roll again. And if you fail that roll, something bad could happen. And the absolute worst thing that could happen is, oh, you just tore a hole into the uh, void of space-time and you're now possessed by a demon. <laughs> Your character is lost and is now under DM control. <laughs> Sam says that a crit fumble table for this could be could be functional. Mm-hmm. Um, Tate also brings up another good point that instead of a penalty, you could just have it be a disadvantage. Yeah. Well, I think a penalty would just be more fun. So, so here is here is my thoughts on that. Two things. If you really feel like there needs to be some sort of mechanic of failure, play Dragon Age. Play a different play a different game. Um, or there is spellcasting rules in place for scrolls. Um, right? If you really wanted to, you could do that, but you're punishing a player for playing a class they want to play. Um, in my opinion, for no reason other than what you think needs to happen. And if that and if your players agree to that, fine, but to me, I wouldn't do that because the game the game already punishes the wizard by making him weak as shit, right? Stab him with a short sword at level one, they're gonna die, you know. Um, <laughs> the other thing you could do is utilize misses as spellcasting failures. So if I'm attacking with Firebolt the cantrip and I roll too low to target, you could easily, as the DM, say you launch, you know, the firebolt and it curves off into the distance and you know explodes, explodes or explodes in mid cast or or something. You don't need to add damage to it to create that 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 failure level, right? You can just say <laughs> describe the action as it failed to cast, not even that they failed to hit their target. I don't know why, but why I'm- are you laughing so hard? <laughs> because- I just got this image in my head that he shoots a fireball and veers off somewhere the way, and you see some little girl off in the distance. Mom, you shouldn't start making a wish. <laughs> that, that actually made me think of when we're playing like the fifth ed play test in like the first document. Our uh, Claire cast the cantrip. Uh, the, the, I think it's called divine lance, something like that. When we hear some rustling in the bushes, and a deer that fell on dead. Oh yeah. And my happy like awesome. You killed, cooked, and blessed everyone go. <laughs> Um, Sam says, I like the idea of character doing downtime training for spells. How often does a character learn a spell when they level up? Does a player ever practice? New spells come out in combat every time. Um, so to kind of go with that in, and I kind of touched on a second ago, the, the wizard specific spell specifically, or the, the wizard section specifically says they learn it during, um, they're, they're studying during practice. They're not trying to practice during combat. So when they're working towards leveling up, that's them in downtime learning and practicing what works, what doesn't. If you really wanted to add a failure to that, you could have them make like an arcana check when they level up and then have them roll a die. And maybe when they wake up, they have less hit dice or they got a level of exhaustion or or something. Now, I don't think that stuff's necessary. And I think you're going to punish a player for playing uh, a class based on what they like and what you think needs to happen. Um, so I personally wouldn't do that. I think you should, in, in my opinion, uh, you should just work with missed attacks as the flavor for your failed attempts at spells, if you need to go that route. That, I don't, I have no idea why, but the reminds me of when a player complained to one of the creators of, like, a D&D, or one of the editions. It's like, I want to do, like, a Prince of Prisoner wall run. No, you can't do that. That's unrealistic. Why are you saying that's unrealistic when that wizard where they just teleport through multiple dimensions and cast the fireball down from the heavens? Oh, that's okay, because it was magic. Oh, God. <laughs> it's magic. Double standard! James, I agree with you and think you're a total idiot <laughs> for bringing it up. It's a function that doesn't need to be in 5th edition. Um, if you need it that badly, follow some of the stuff that exists already or play another game that has it because I don't think that it's necessary. 
Spell slots are already precious. You don't need to be adding to the precious. Precious. They're, they're precious. You don't need to be adding to the the, the potential loss of that. You're getting real smiggle like real quick. <laughs> I hate you both. Oh, the hobbits precious. So, uh, so I hope that we've answered your question there, James. If we didn't, please send us an email to the complaint department at criticacademy at gmail.com. With a $5 check attached, and maybe I'll probably just send, not send it right to the trash can. Wow, you are a dick. Why do people listen to us? I don't fucking know, dude. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's like, I want to I wanna ask a question for Let's Talk About Blank, but I'm kind of afraid to. <laughs> Why? Because Justin's going to make me look like a bitch. Yeah, so we hope we answered your question, man. That'll do it for our Let's Talk About Blank segment. Brandon, if they want to submit a question for the Let's Talk About Blank segment, how do they do that? They can reach us via CritAcademy at gmail.com and make sure to put in a subject line that you have a question for the Let's Talk About Blank segment. Or you could also possibly reach us at other known locations that Ian might be able to know of. Like Facebook and Twitter. Yeah, CritAcademy. Yeah, it's Facebook and Twitter. Did you forget? No, I didn't. Oh. Now, moving on to our main topic today, we have Midgard Heroes. We're doing a class analysis on the Bard. If you don't know... Uh, a Bard plays a mu- uh, mu- music Has instrument. everybody heard about the Bard? Bard, 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 Bard. <laughs> don't uh, you know the Bard's the word? <laughs> so Midgard Heroes is a player handbook from Cobalt Press. The Midgard campaign setting is a dark world of deep magic started by Wolfgang Bauer and fleshed out by his team. It's flavored with uh, Central European myth and folklore from, you know, the frozen Northlands to its uh, wild steppes and dark forests and, and, and craggy mountains. So like The Witcher. Got Very much like The Witcher. Huh. Um, or even like, uh, like just like Norse mythology kind of setting too, right? Yep. So the Midgard's Heroes Handbook has over 200 pages of what I consider pure and delectable gold. It's good stuff. Listen to how much shit is in this book. It includes 11 new races in addition to the variations of existing races. It has over 40 subclass choices, new feats, new backgrounds, new spells, new weapon options. I cannot wait to talk about that. Uh, magic items, monsters, and a whole lot more stuff. When you say weapon options, is that like sticking a laser pointer on a pistol or something? No. So, I, oh man, I, I'm, I'll, I'll edit it out. But the weapons options, what they do is they give features to different weapons. So, like, um, the, the, the... Me the, like they did back in 4th edition? Oh, I don't know. No, the 5 <laughs> Well, like, so you're, 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 you're... If you have a single weapon, a single-handed weapon that can be drawn out of sheath, you have, like, a, a, I forget what it's called, where you can just pull it out and butt somebody with it, and it, like, can, has a chance to, like, stun them or knock them down or some shit. And each weapon, depending on what class it is, has its additional feature in addition to its attack actions and stuff. It's pretty cool. Uh, I thought you were, like, uh, talking about a fully semi-automatic assault sword. No. <laughs> Jeez. Um, well, why not? So, uh, yeah, so, uh, actually, I want to take a moment to thank uh, um, Wolfgang Bauer, uh, he gave us permission to go through and do some of these class analysis. He might even be sending us one that's not released yet soon um, and on Chronomancy, so I'm super excited for that. But uh, So as we work through this, uh, we will not be doing class analysis on everything in the book, but we're going to be doing uh, a couple options from the different classes. And we do want to stress, though, that as awesome as this book is, it is third-party material. So. Yes. Now, if you're going to buy third-party material... Cobalt Press is probably the best one to do it because they've been working on D&D content forever. They were part of like the 4th edition adventure stuff and and they do all the stuff for Pathfinder. So, they're one of the biggest third-party producers. So, if anything's tested, that's why I agreed to have this on the show and because the, it is play-tested and balanced material. And they did work on some of the campaign books for 5th Ed too yep. as well as Adventure League. So, yep. 
Moving on to the, 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 the meat and potatoes of the episode, we are going to be discussing the first archetype, the Bard, the College of Entropy. Bards of the College of Entropy are gamblers and daring thrill-seekers whose actions are supremely unpredictable. Rather than relying on ancient lore or skill with arms, these bards throw themselves into new challenges just to see what happens, trusting in luck to see them through. They're called luck stealers, with a mixture of derision and respect. Because no matter how bad things get for everyone around them, these bards always seem to come out. Why have I press this button? There's a movie that just came out with a character that fits this archetype. Are you talking about yeah. Domino? No, I'm talking about yeah. Domino in Deadpool. Deadpool 2. And that's that's her power. She's lucky, right? Yep. And that's the whole the whole spiel. That's that's what I envision for this archetype, and that makes it awesome. Yeah, lucky. I don't know. That doesn't seem very cinematic. Sure, it is. No, it's not. Yes, it is. I'm going to meet in the middle. Say no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> um. So before we get in too much into the abilities, uh, aside from Domino and shit just happening around her, how do you envision this ability? Is is it something that can be seen? Not not directly. Is, do you think that, that there's a, if you could see it, what, what would it be like? How the crap did that guy just do that? What about you, Brandon? Is there any visuals to this sort of effect? Or uh, the is it only thing mundane? I can think of, of how this would be a visual aspect is if this person is walking down an alleyway and shit keeps falling around them and missing them by a hair. That's what I was envisioning. Yeah. Like, just accidents happening. In, in the, the Flash uh, TV show, they had a character on, I think her name was Jinx. Yep. Where as she's walking through... Like town and in, in areas, just good things are happening to her. But in the background, people are falling off ladders. They're spilling their hot coffee on their lap. They're 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 running into all these these problems that are just happening, kind of in the background. Yep. Um, to kind of represent her stealing the luck from the people around her, and I think that is awesome. So that's how I envision this this whole archetype working, and that to me, just as a DM, sounds awesome. Because you always talk about, you know, making the world come to life and your characters, as you guys are walking through town and you approach a merchant, um, you hear a big crash. And as you turn around, you see a big, you know, giant cart of manure has just been tilted onto somebody's meal or something. <laughs> Actually, this reminds me of the three of the main characters from the Wheel of Time series. Is that a thing? Yeah. Like, they, essentially, they're divinely appointed by, like, the uh, cosmic forces to influence the world, world around them. And random crap keeps happening around all three of them. <laughs> Oh, okay. And one character in particular, the more r- random things are, the more th- in favor they are. Oh, nice. Uh, of him. Like, okay. That's a I have is random, and we're not sure which way to go along this, four, this four-way road, so here's what we're going to do. I'm going to take two dice, one through three, we go left, we can roll one on two, shut up. I <laughs> <laughs> broke it down, but don't the odds matter for the different... Shut up. <laughs> Just let me roll my dice? Yep. So what happened? He rolled the dice, one dropped, face up with the one, and the, and the other die fell on a crack on the floor. <laughs> he got a one. <laughs> That's awesome. That's the kind of shit I'm talking about. All yeah, right. I imagine this character would be hard to assassinate. <laughs> just fucking he's just, he's walk, walking down the street, and Errol <laughs> hits, hits him right behind the head in the wall. Like, oh, that's where he turns around, looks at it, <laughs> and Errol hits where his head was before. He goes, huh. "Oh, a penny!" He drops down. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> or I'm picturing that like a Steven Seagal button do commercial. I haven't seen that. Where people in the gas station keep, keep trying to kill him, but he's completely oblivious to it, and everything he does somehow incapacitates somebody. <laughs> it's an accident. <laughs> um, Sam, says, America. Sam says, steal the luck from players every time they crit fail. Player, uh, player thanks other player for the luck boost. <laughs> well, let's get, why don't we get on to some of the other abilities? So once you pick up this, uh, 
this archetype at third level, you instantly gain some new uh, proficiencies. You get acrobatics, athletics, and a gaming set of a tool, a gaming set of your choice. That's awesome because that fits the flavor, right? Especially if they're compulsive gamblers. And in addition to your third level, you get access to the ability called Luck Stealer. You basically learn how to borrow a little bit of other people's luck for yourself, right? Which is kind of what we were discussing. And when a creature you can see within 60 feet of you makes an attack roll, ability check, or saving throw with advantage, uh, you can use your reaction to expend one use of your Bardic Inspiration to grant that creature a penalty to the check equal to the number rolled on your Bardic Inspiration dice. You gain inspiration that is only usable on yourself that lasts the number of rounds equal to the number of your Bardic Inspiration die. If you do not spend the bar- uh, inspiration before that time, it is lost. Stealing luck, regardless of whether you use the inspiration, causes a Chaos Magic Surge. Now, before we get to Chaos Magic Surge, what do you think about that ability? It's a dick move. Fuck <laughs> me, you! That's, we're, you're, instead of just rolling a dice to buff yourself, you're weakening them and buffing yourself at the same time. Yep. And I think that is phenomenal. <laughs> I rolled a crit! No, you rolled a two. <laughs> Well, I think if they rolled a 20, it would still be a crit, though, wouldn't it? Well. Or would, it, would, you, would you change it? Because on, uh, right. on a 20 in attacking, a crit is an auto success, right? No, it, it automatically hits, yes. Yes. That's not true for, like, abilities, skills, skill checks. Yeah. The other thing that's interesting about this is the Chaos Magic Surge, right? So the Chaos Magic Surge, there's a table in the Midgard Heroes Handbook that is basically a variation of the wild magic table. Yeah. And that's basically what this is. So you have now have another character that generates that very random chance again, which I think is awesome. Next up, we have at 6th level, you gain Infusion of Fortune. When you cast a Chaos spell, you cause a Chaos Magic Surge and regain one use of your brother's inspiration. You regain the use of Infusion of Fortune after a short or a long rest. Very nice. So uh, one thing that separates Midgard um, from the current settings is this quote-unquote, you know, uh, chaos magic. Um, that's a source of power, and I think it's similar, and I correct me if I, I could be mistaken, um, it's similar to having like, uh, um, uh, like a new, new, not, what's the evocation? That's a... Uh, Warlock. No, the, what the, the class, the, the magic type. You have evocation, you have illusion, a tradition maybe? A school. Yes! Thanks, Sam. he's like i fucking know this and these idiots can't figure it out yes so uh chaos magic uh, i believe is a new school of magic that has more of the the wild wild uh effects basically when you this allows you to potentially regenerate your bardic inspiration um but has once again this very big risk to it right so this infusion of fortune how do you guys see it working because it basically says when you cast a spell you cause this magic surge, and you regain a use of bardic inspiration. Do you see it as like you're as you're casting a spell, you're leeching some of that energy for yourself, like kind of like a buff, like oh, I cast fireball and I suck some of that energy in. How do you see that working? So the, the chaos magic surge comes from a table, right? Yeah, yeah. I want to see if I can find. I I have that because that would suck if you use a chaos spell against an enemy, burn yourself. But hey, I got inspiration. I inspire myself to never do that again. <laughs> Brandon, do you want to take the next one there? I'm going to go find Belief it, is so. a tool. You're a tool. You're a tool. <laughs> Justin's a tool. Belief is a tool. Everything desires to be something else. Starting at 14th level, as an action, the Lux Dealer can change one known spell to another spell of the same or lower level on the Bard spell list. At the end of the Bard's next turn, 
Here's a her list of known spells returns to normal. Using this ability causes a chaos magic surge. Man, everything to do fucks everything up, doesn't it? Well, yep. that's the point. That's the point of this class is to cause uh, is chance, like the wild magic sorcerer. But I think they did it better. That's convenient because you can't just change spells. I prepared my. Li- I prepared this list of spells. Oh wait, no, I didn't. I prepared this one spell, but you. Oh, you did cast that one. And this as an action too. Yep. At the end of the bard's next turn, everything returns to normal. So you better use what you change it to. So you use an action, next turn you use it, and then at the end of that turn, your list goes back to normal. That does potentially... I don't know how you do lose a turn on the flip yeah. side. You do get some versatility. So you'd have to lose a turn. But, good God, the implications that can have. Yeah. You're in a pinch and you don't have a spell. It's like, oh, I do now. Surprise, mother. <laughs> 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 so basically, we've all played the wizard that went in without a spell prepared, and it could be the clencher, right? It could be the 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 clenching moment spell, and you didn't have it prepared. Has that ever happened to you guys? Oh yeah, 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 a lot. Yep, especially yeah. for your warlock. Well, this is yeah, yeah, specifically a warlock because you you know, well, you don't have to prepare as a warlock, do you? No, but you have a, a very limited list to pull from. <laughs> So remember when I played a wizard when we were doing Banquet of the Damned? Mm-hmm. All the spells I had had nothing to do against undead. And I was like, well, great. <laughs> that reminds me of one time in Pathfinder where I built an elven witch, but all they were good for was fighting living things. And that very first adventure I ran them, them in, we fought nothing but animated objects and undead. I was like, Um, So to clarify chaos magic, um, in D&D we have smel- spells that are considered rituals, right? Uh-huh. And the chaos magic is something very similar, <laughs> where you could have a ritual tag and the chaos magic tag, um, and most of those are tied directly to the special the spells that are unique to the Midgard handbook. Um, and then, so I'm looking at the chaos magic surge table here, and it's a you roll on a, a scale of one to a hundred, and you get effects like on a one you cast hypnotic pattern centered on yourself. Uh, on a twenty nine to thirty, you gain resistance to one type of damage determined randomly for an hour. Uh, 54, you can heal yourself with Healing Word. Um, 41, 42, you become immune to all damage. Um, 57, you hear thunderous sound and are stunned until the end of your next turn. (laughs) Fuck. (laughs) 71 and 72, a barrel of lamp oil appears adjacent to you. What the hell? (laughs) A barrel of lamp oil. Good God, that's dangerous. (laughs) Uh, This one says, the ground beneath your target or beneath you... Uh, if your spell or ability has no target, sinks one foot. If it falls prone, it falls prone unless you succeed on a deck save. So it's very much <laughs> like the magic, magic, oh, uh, wild magic table, except different. Look at different that options. first one. One, two. You cast hypnotic pattern centered mm-hmm. on yourself. You can just see this guy, he uses chaos bolt. It's almost like, bam! And he hits the enemy, and his team is like, good job, man. They look at him, he's going, ooh. <laughs> I was more thinking, like, ooh, all the pretty colors. <laughs> Why does he think he's a chicken? Um, but anyway, uh, belief as a tool is a very powerful tool. Um, I think that being able to change out a spell from what you have to something you need is really important. Well, match out feels too permanent either. Yeah, some some of them like are like bubbles for like ten minutes and out of your mouth and shit. But or um, unicorn appears for a minute. But anyways, I I think this is a really cool uh, a really cool archetype. I love Domino. I love Jinx. I think as a player, being able to introduce this. This wild, wild chaos magic and this chance of weakening the enemy and buffing yourself is, is just a fantastic uh, roleplay opportunity. I believe that I would have so much fun as a DM describing all the bad shit 
that's kind of just happening around everybody, you know? Uh, and it maybe in, in some cases it helps with the players. Like, let's say the players go to d- buy something and they're a little they're a little short, like a few copper, a few gold. I can easily see, like, uh, describing, you guys hear a tinkle, or a tinkle. You, you hear a uh, tinking on the ground, and as you look, a gold ring rolls right into your, right in front of you and it hits you in the boot. It's approximate evalu- valuation is probably the exact amount you need. <laughs> Just stupid <laughs> shit like that. And then they can be hired by the, the guy who lost it to go find this ring. <laughs> they have to steal it back. <laughs> um, I think this is really cool. What do you guys think? Fun stuff. I love Steeler. It sounds fun. The Greenleaf College drawing from Elven Law and Power. Greenleaf bards strengthen their connection to nature through their magic and their tales. They convey the rejuvenating strength of the forests and rivers to their allies. That sounds like a druid. Yeah. Sounds like a hippie. <laughs> Tree-hugging hippie. <laughs> like, that's your opinion, man. <laughs> Hello, tree. Let me sing you a sonnet. Yeah, that's funny. Um, yeah, so this sounds interesting. Um, this is really interesting because there's really, there's only a few, like, nature-based archetypes, right, in classes. Yeah. Yeah, the ranger, the druid. And then the cleric uh, nature. The uh, paladin right. also has the Oath of the Ancients, too. Oh, yeah, it does. Okay. So this is another addition to that, which I think is pretty cool. This fits really good, kind of, with the bard theme. Yeah. So it, when you choose this um, college at third level, you gain access to an expanded list for the bard, which is awesome. Um, and Yay. we're going to kind of shoot through it really quick, and kind of we'll talk about some of the options. Um, at spell level, at first spell level, you get access to Goodberry, which I think is awesome. It's one of my favorite healing abilities, um, because who doesn't like, you know, feet shoving something down somebody's throat while they're unconscious, you know, <coughs> and to wake them right up. Uh, Entangle, you know, vines coming up and grappling people, which is pretty cool. Pass without a trace. At second level. Yeah, I'm moving, I'm, oh, I guess, yeah, at second level, you get access to, uh, or second, spe- these are spell levels, not character levels. Yeah, right? that's good, uh, to, yeah. Mm-hmm. At second level, uh, you get access to Pass Without a Trace and Spike Growth. Kazimi. Um, <laughs> which I think is really cool. I love Spike Growth. That's one of my favorite terrain type effects, because as a, I took it as a Barbarian and Druid hybrid, like, well, I think it was two level, two level Druid, or one level Barbarian and several levels Druid, and I would cast uh, Spike Growth and just grapple people and run through it. <laughs> just heard them over and over and over. At third level, you get access to conjure uh, animals and the daylight spell, which, which by the way, conjure uh, uh, animals is is pretty cool. A- anytime you can just conjure a, a spirit or an ally is always always so cool from a, a role play standpoint. I'm hungry. What do you want? Steak. I'll conjure a cow. So <laughs> you're telling me at third level, third spell level. Yeah, so. at, at third level, I gain a third spell level for conjure animals. This bard becomes a Disney princess. <laughs> <laughs> start whistling and animals little critters show up um what i think is interesting the fourth spell level is conjure woodland beings now if you don't know if your dm doesn't know that they really should be choosing the creatures that show up you get away with summon a bunch of pixies you can really wreck some shit i was thinking some uh some ents basically but okay what ents ants ents ents oh ent is that? I think there has to be certain. There's a certain level. I don't know if that's in it. Or I not. don't know. Conjure eight boa constrictors. Lock one thing down, guaranteed. <laughs> not going fucking anywhere. You're not wrong. Uh, you get access to dominate beast, which I think is awesome. Anytime you can dominate anybody, I'm big into dominating. So. Uh. And then the fifth <laughs> level goes by. Sit. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then fifth level, you get access to commune with nature and tree stride, which is basically teleporting between trees, which is pretty awesome. So, so that being said, you get, you get some really nice uh, access to some really nice spells following the, uh, 
the Greenleaf College, which I think is awesome. Once again, you can utilize those in a uh, myriad of different ways. Also, man, at third level, you could learn to infuse your bardic inspiration with a magical seed of healing energy. Bro. Yeah. <laughs> when a creature uses a bardic inspiration die from you to increase one ability check, attack roll, or a saving throw, it also gains temporary hit points equal to the number rolled on the die, plus your charisma modifier. Yeah, man. Dude, that's heavy. So, how do you guys? How do you guys envision this feature working? Dude, man, just chill while you hit the guy in the face. <laughs> <laughs> do you think the magic seed is like planted on the person? Nope. Uh, or just you hold it in your hand and then you pull the energy from it? No, you pull a slingshot out and shoot him in the face with it. <laughs> that's what I. <laughs> I, was just, I, I totally see like using your sling to like launch a seed at somebody, like they're uh, like those people that pop, you know, shoot stuff in people's mouths, like launching them. Oh man, launching a goodberry out of your sling at your target. Here, have one. <laughs> Everyone gets one. Like, go for it. You get a goodberry. You get a goodberry. This cut hurts. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, why? Look at your ribs. <laughs> it's gone. <laughs> uh, Sam says the person is uh, seated with healing. I think uh, it would be really cool to like shoot a seat at somebody like, and have it hit them in the chest and like, little tendrils like, exp- expand out and like, dig themselves in your flesh and it's, like, start throbbing to, to, or attach yourself to the, your flesh and starts kind of throbbing <laughs> like another heartbeat as it's healing you. That would be kind of cool. Why did I briefly picture that one scene in Venture Brothers when they may have walked into it? What was the villain's room? Hey, boss, can you? Well, there's like, a bunch of needles. The man, he falls over. You think he's dead? Only for something you need to jump up. Whoa! I something to be a lot more loose. I don't feel like smoking anymore. <laughs> uh, Samuel says it feels like damage, that. not healing. You know what? I tell my doctor the same thing when they stab me with a needle. <laughs> I'm going to say that to my doctor next time that happens. <laughs> You're supposed to be healing me, not killing me, bastard! It's like, this is your flu vaccine? Ah, this feels more like, like hurt, not heal. Yeah. <laughs> So instead of it digging into your flesh, maybe it just it wraps itself around you in like a heartbeat. Like in, in I always use the Yu Yu Show references. Of course you do. One of the guys in Yu Yu Show attaches this thing onto the, oh, yeah. the the characters, and it like attaches to them. It's planty, and it beats like another heart, and it's kind of like it's very cool. I kind of envision something like that, um, and that also could be the source of the temporary hit points. Let's say it is digging in, and it's pumping like an adrenaline in there, right? Um, and, and giving them, you know, this little boost of uh, protection, or maybe it just like digs into like their ears or into their mouth or something, like make it like a like a living mass. Just I just pictured it as like kind of like healing word. Sensubine. <laughs> <laughs> then it like tentacles come out and wrap around your head, like a, like a freaking illithid. Sensubine. I can't do that very good. There we go. Uh, all right, the next. Uh, Feature is land stride at sixth level, moving through not. At sixth, god damn it, you guys! At sixth level, moving through non-magical difficult terrain costs you no extra movement, which I think is awesome. You can also pass through non-magical plants without being slowed by them and without taking damage from them, if they have thorns, spines, or a similar hazard. In addition, you have advantage on saving throws against plants that are magically created or manipulated to impede movement, such as those created by the Entangled spell. So this works really well with the Entangled spell and the Spike Growth. Yeah, yep. make Spike Growth and just hide. <laughs> well, no, man, dude, we, we've talked about like the, the Barbarian before. This would be a cool hybrid because you could literally Spike Growth, grab a bitch, choke him, and just run in circles with it, taking less damage. Or use Vine Whip and pull people into it. 
yeah, that's cool. But the great thing about the 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 grabbing them is you can run, you can use your movement to run back and forth as you're carrying them, and every time they go through it, they take damage. So you just run back and forth like freaking like uh, uh like you're smashing their face into a cactus repeatedly. <laughs> so yeah, I really think this is really cool. Um, how do you see it working? It's it, it's land strides. So are they like? jumping from plant to plant or is the is the plant like parting for them as they walk through it i believe i see it as you go on moses on them and just part part the plants <laughs> as you walk through them yep like they move like uh that happens with uh poison ivy in some of the batman shows right yeah where she's walking through and the plants just kind of slither out of the way for her and then then you know go pile back. up back where she uh, as she passes through yep i think that's awesome or the uh spines or the thorns retract as you walk through it brandon you want to take the last one there Vital Surge. Starting at 14th level, as an action, you can expend one use of Bardic Inspiration to magically remove one disease or detrimental condition affecting a creature you can see within 60 feet. The condition can be blinded, charmed, deafened, frightened, paralyzed, or poisoned. Oh, you can fucking see. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, don't be a pussy. It'd be even better if the person can't see and just walk up and you slap him in the face and say, like, you can see! <laughs> Didn't that happen in uh, Robin Hood Men in Tights? The guy, like, walked into, some, like, a tree or a ladder and then he could see for a few seconds? No, no, he, fe- no he fell. He looked up because he was seeing stars. Oh, right. Because he's looking up. He's like, I can see! Dunk. And then he turned and walked in and something lost his vision. Oh, never mind. No, he didn't lose it. It just, you know, if you look to, like, an impact to your, mm-hmm. you, you just like dots? That's what it was. Oh, I thought he turned. He could see, and then he ran into something. He couldn't. He looked straight up. Oh. Um, <laughs> so what do you what do you guys think about this ability? I inspire you to suck it up, you sissy. <laughs> Boy, you better hear me. Kind of, kind of going the the nature uh, the nature route again here uh, with the vines and stuff. I can easily see um, the character, you know, singing, you know, singing vines out of the ground to rap, and once again, dig into your. They kind of just dig into your flesh, maybe, and then suck the poisons out. Or maybe, you know... I just briefly pictured my head for some strange reason. This uh, bard sucking a joint, then blowing the smoke onto somebody. <laughs> oh, that is so awesome. <laughs> Have some of this. <laughs> like, oh, wow, I feel better. <laughs> all right, dude. Uh, wake up. Oh, man, this is some good crap. Hugs, <laughs> oh, <it's> not drugs. <laughs> That's really awesome. <laughs> I like that one. Um, yeah, so you can do a lot of, lot of cool stuff with this, uh, though your smoke would have to be definitely magical to reach 60 feet, like a cloud of pot smoke. <laughs> <laughs> this is getting worse. Well, it wouldn't be pot, it would be like, whatever, what's a drug in, in, in Midgard or, or Faerun or something? Shrooms. Guma. To shrooms, there you go. <laughs> um, I think this is fantastic. Oh, that's another thing, we can go back to slingshot, you got mushrooms and stuff, and you just start shooting them at people to break their, to break their, or use a sling to break their, um, detrimental conditions. That's awesome. Hey, hey, you. Yeah, you. Come here. You deaf? Can you hear me? I can take care of that. And you start sign languaging to him. I can take care of you, bro. Oh, you. Can't see? Come here. I got something good for you. Eat some of this. You'll be all right. The first one's free. <laughs> Isn't that what you usually say? Sometimes. It could just be a total dick and pull a prank on him. It's like, you can't see here. Eat this. It's like, okay, okay. It's going to make me better. It's going to make you better. Eat it. What was that? Poison ivy. <laughs> <laughs> then I got the cure for 20 gold. <laughs> oh, man. I love, the, I love the, the, the smoking one. I never thought of that. Where you just... <sighs> All right, we need some inspiration. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm now picturing 
this bard as the dude from the Big Lebowski. <laughs> yes! Yes! That's awesome. He picks up a bowling ball. The hell is this thing? Obviously, you don't golf. <laughs> That's my favorite quote. Oh, my God. So, overall, what do you guys think of these cl- classes so far? These are good. I, I like the second class a little more than the first one. I kind of like the first one more than the second one. No, the first one just seems more chaotic. Yeah, too random. That's yeah, why I, like I don't like the and idea that something stupid not, happening to me. And that's not for everyone. That I agree. Yeah, I like that sort of stuff because I can role play off of it. You know what I mean? <laughs> Especially as a DM or as the player. I think that uh, the Cobalt Press did an amazing job with these classes. I was I was originally concerned about doing stuff not wizard of, official, but I read a lot of articles about the balance of these, and, and they really they hit the nail on the head. So it's very good, very cool stuff. Well, that'll do it for this week's class analysis on the Midgard Heroes Handbook, uh, Bards. I had a really blast going through this. Thank you, Wolfgang Bauer, for the opportunity. Um, now we will not be we will not be going through every class uh, that they have. Um, we're just going to pick a couple from each. Uh, or we're going to pick a couple archetypes from each class. The, like, the... Jeez, how many does be it have? Are there co- like, 40? Yeah, there's a lot. Be it, are they cool enough or different enough from what's already there? Yeah, so and, and they, all, they all really are. There's a lot of pure gold or inside. 40 subclass choices. 11 yeah. new races. So that'll do it for our main topic today. Uh, thank 50, you very much. 50. Thank you very much, uh, Wolfgang Bauer, for that. So before we move on to our <laughs> Unearthed Tips and Trick, we have one more gift to give away. Compliments of Warsmith. Each episode, we will draw another lucky subscriber's name, and they will win the best-selling adventure, The Claws of Madness, compliments of Lawsmith. Lawsmith is a small indie team of creative artists who remember exploring the realms together with friends, finding incredible places, and meeting colorful characters along the way. They set out to deliver an experience that sparks those lasting impressions that pushed them to create their first standalone adventure, The Claws of Madness. This best-selling adventure is one that you don't want to miss. Who's our winner today, Brandon? Spencer? Score Rico. When it comes crashing down and it hurts inside You gotta take a stand, it don't help Congratulations, Spencer Corico. <laughs> if you enjoy the adventure, head on over to Loresmith and leave him a review. Let him know what you like, what you didn't like, and... Help him improve his product uh, moving forward. <laughs> Definitely check out a lot of his new stuff. If you haven't listened to our Remarkable Ends episode, pick that book up because it's amazing. It's amazing. So, moving on to our final segment, Unearth Tips and Tricks, where we give you creative content for you to bring with you on your next adventure. Yay. So, our first UTT is our character concept. Man, bear, pig. Um, and I actually stole this idea. Um, I listened, I've started listening to a new podcast called Bombarded. It's a gr- an entire group full of musicians who all play bards. Oh my god! So they actually play instruments. Bum, 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 so bum, 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 bum. I shared I shared their I shared their post uh, on our page so you can find them there or or, or Google them and you'll find their link. The guys are, the, the team's great. But anyways, the character concept they have in there is um, a character named Razul. Razul. Last name I think his last name is Dazul. Razul Dazul. <laughs> <laughs> that or he's like the the son of Dazzle or something Quit like that. Pay yourself. What's up, Razzle Dazzle? <laughs> That's basically what it is. Uh, but um, or I thought Razzle was named the uh, Hagar from Aladdin. Kind of uh. going with you mentioned you uh, Brandon that you didn't like the randomization of the first archetype of the 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 bard we discussed. Right? Oh, uh, you'll hate I, this. I like it. I just don't like the idea of getting hurt by it. <laughs> well, you're gonna like this then. <laughs> this is true. A truly wild shape. This character, Razul, cannot control what animal he shifts into. 
So instead, they have like a range band, right? And roll a percentage die. Um, and the DM has dictated what yeah. each kind of range turns into. So uh, I don't remember the exact numbers, but for an example, you know, a 20 to 30% <laughs> may be a wolf, 45 to a lion, and maybe a 69, 60 to a 90, like a brown bear. Like I said, I don't know what they actually are because I'm not far enough into the show. And I haven't actually, you know, Googled it. But the whole idea is to have, you know, this, this, this chance of changing and, and surprising, you know, everyone because nobody knows what you're going to get, right? Maybe he can't control it or, or it's something he's working on. What I thought was really interesting is the DM did something very special for critical, like, like a 1 and an, a 100. And, you know, if you critically succeed, you roll a 100 on a percent, uh, I think he allows him to turn into something he wouldn't be able to otherwise, either something out of a CR range or something out of the category of beasts altogether. I turn into a Tyrannosaurus. Well, that's still a beast, so I think at a certain level you'd be able to turn that into that anyway. But if it's above his current level, then suck it. Excellent point. <laughs> um, and the other thing I thought was interesting is that if he can turn into something that's not like the beast type, like, let's say, a fae, you know, blink dog, for instance, you know? Or a hellhound. Or a hellhound. How awesome would that be? Now, it's a very small chance, but when it does, that would just be so freaking cool. And especially if the DM decided to change it every, every time he rolled a crit, right? Like, okay, for this time, if he rolls a 100, he's going to get Blink Dog. Okay, that's cool. Next time, it's a Hellhound. I just think that's really cool. Um, and likewise, if he does, uh, uh, like, rolls a 1, maybe he turns into, like, a frog or a cat or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? We had a guy on my boat who uh, brought his guitar underway, and he would not work on his qualifications or do anything. He'd just sit there and play and play and play. Uh, so one day, his chief came up to while he was playing in the, uh, the galley where everyone's eating. And he takes tin snips and snaps all of his strings. Oh, and he says, get to work. That's <laughs> hilarious. So what do you guys think of this? If you want some a little extra random flavor, then go for it. And maybe in return, maybe give him an extra well shape just to compensate for the randomness. Like, one like extra... an extra use of it? Yeah. Oh, okay, that's cool. I can see that. I can do it more, but... <laughs> I don't see critical fails changing or happening too often. No. Especially if you choose something like, oh, what was it? Was it luck that lets you reroll ones? Lucky, mm-hmm. yeah. Lucky. Yeah, you just take that and still don't have a chance. But that, I think that's part of the fun, though. I mean, you guys are locked in this heated battle with this giant minotaur, and you're ready to turn into a bryant bear. You can hear your bones cracking, your body twisting. You know, as your body begins to twist and take a new form. That would be funny. Meow. Uh, anyway, um... Anyways, I really like this idea, and it really made the wild shape truly wild and, and unpre- uh, unpredictable, and I like that sort of stuff. If you've listened to our show, you know we've talked about, you know, randomness, you know, spells out of a hat, stuff like that, and, and I get really excited for stuff like that. So to me, this sounds like an awesome character concept. Obviously, it requires a little bit of work with your DM, or actually, maybe not. If you just pick stuff that you can turn into and just create your own little chart and roll a die every time you want to shapeshift, have at it. But would be more interesting is to see what you can do with those by challenging yourself. Hey, in this situation, I am turned into a spider. How can that possibly help me right now? And what, how can I get the most out of it? I think that would be a good way to challenge you as an experienced player as well. I think that'll do it for our character concept. Our Bleh. monster variant today is the Sloth Mammoth. Origin is the Mammoth. The new features include Trampling Rush replaces Trampling Charge. Much of a difference. <laughs> there, not much, but I'll talk about it. Once if the mammoth finish. moves at least 20 feet straight toward a creature and then hits it with a gore attack on the same turn, that target must succeed on a DC 18 strength saving throw or be knocked prone or pushed 20 feet. 
if the target is prone, the mammoth can make one stomp attack against it as a bonus action. That would suck. Um, so the the real only difference between trampling rush and trampling charge is that instead of it just knocking him prone, I added the option to push it. Because I love the idea of a, the mammoth just charging in and just constantly trying to push people like off of stuff. Or smashing into them and tossing them into like a building or something, you know what I mean? And so that's something that made sense to me for uh, kind of the, the build that I was going for. Slow breath, recharge on a 5 or a 6. The mammoth releases gas from his trunk. <laughs> <laughs> can you do a, can you do a, like an elephant noise? <laughs> oh, that was really good! <laughs> the mammoth releases gas from his trunk in a 30-foot cone. Each creature in that area must succeed on a DC-14 constitution saving throw. On a failed save, the creature can't use reactions. Its speed is halved, and it can't make more than one attack on, this t- on its turn. In addition, the creature can use either an action or a bonus action on its turn, but not both. These effects last for one minute. The creature can repeat the saving throw at the end of each of its turns, ending the effect on itself with a successful save. What do you guys think of this? <laughs> I like it. Are you giggling at gas? Yeah. <laughs> and the elephant noise. In this, in this instance, <laughs> the sloth mammoth is ga- uh, basically gained the slow breath from dragons. The idea behind this is because they can uh, they can travel uh, and rush targets. One of the big pro- problems with that would be create if they charge from target to target, they would get op attacks. By using this, you can potentially limit the number of op attacks. So basically, you have this this sloth that or this mo- this mammoth that's charging between repeatedly between characters, and as it does, it can push them ten feet or twenty feet, and then charge between another one without. Uh, uh, allowing it to take op attacks, basically making it very difficult for the players to close that gap if they're, if they're any sort of melee classes. What do you guys think? If you ran into something like this. I, I can't w- get the snot shooting out of the trunk out of my head. I would think it'd be uh, gross. It would be. Well, if it's anything I've learned from Skyrim, it's don't fuck with the mammoths, so I would just <laughs> leave it alone. I thought it was don't screw with the giants. Uh, that's they hilarious. kind of golf-sling will come to that. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I almost got sick when I was playing on my VR helmet, and one of those bastards hit me. I went flying. I'm like, I almost threw up in my mouth. It was gross. Um, Anywho, uh, Sam says uh, combine it with something that can cast haste on it uh, would make this guy insane. I would agree. Um, those are two good partners. Maybe we need. Uh, <laughs> whoa, whoa! Here comes the pain drain, motherfucker! Woo, <laughs> 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 woo! That was weak. Um, so I really like this uh, this monster. I can't wait to use it. Um, I'm planning on using it for some upcoming <laughs> encounters. Um, yeah. Actually, that Ian will be in. So, yeah. So, anyways, um, I think that'll do it for our monster variant. Our encounter of the podcast comes from patron Sam Bridge. Yay! Ian, do you want to take that? My characters are currently on a side quest from the POTA campaign while they do a job for Bourbon Toe LLC. <laughs> they, <laughs> they have an employment contract. They need to get 500 pounds of black oak from Crypt Garden Forest, or about one large tree within one month to Waterdeep. However, they were warned a very large agent green dragon by the name of Old Narbone claimed Crypt Garden as her territory along with her son, an adult green dragon. When the players begin to take the wood, they find the two dragons take off from the mountains above with a hurricane-like wind, and if they perceive it, eventually it will be pretty frickin' obvious. <laughs> They will see three dragons, 
including an adult red, flying from the south to attack. The moment battle ensues, the players will be given dragon character sheets, and they get to play out a 3 versus 2 dragon fight, while the party gets to look on from the sidelines and not be in danger. Quote, unquote. <laughs> I just need to figure out the way for the dragon remains to be mopped up so the party doesn't go nuts leading dragon parts. <laughs> Note I has to provide dragon stats by removing legendary actions and their actions, because the fight wouldn't be in the friggin' lair. Otherwise, the fight would be very bogged down and confusing. Before I give my two cents into this, what do you guys think of this? I think it's gonna be awesome. I think it would be so much fun. And to get rid of the buys to keep them from looting, just blow them up. Blow the dragon up. There, there are, there's nothing left. Or the, send them to a dimension of hell or something. The fire burns away their bodies and or the SF melts it away. But that can Boom. only happen if the red one wins, right? <laughs> Xenomorphs. The other ones are green dragons. But anyways. Don't, um, don't they spit acid? Huh? Don't oh, they breathe acid? Do they? I don't know. Or is that poison? Or, or better yet, I think black ones the dragons acid. that are killed, as they fall, they land on a perilous mountainside that the players cannot get up to. Those are good options. First of all, I love this idea. Um, I haven't run this exact uh, scenario, but I did run an adventure for our patrons some time ago where I gave them their character, let them have their characters, and have control over dragons um, and their stat blocks for you, battle. You hated me for that. Oh, but it was so much fun, wasn't it? Banish. Yeah, fucking banish, goddammit. <laughs> like, literally, the, the dra- there's a dragon rider battle, and this motherfucker banished one of my monsters. I was so pissed off. And then I banished the other one. <laughs> God damn it! Um, but anyways, I just I still rolled with it though. But anyways, I love this idea. I love that you can you want to pull the character sheets uh, from the players and give them something different to do. And playing dragons is definitely different and can make the the battle seem challenging, especially with flying. If you've not seen our episode on flying, definitely check that out. Um, we talk a lot about how to handle that. Um, but in this scene, you can do so much so much with this it'll be a nice change of pace this would be a really great thing to hold on to if you have like them in an area but then have a, a, a lack of players show up yep because then if you you know you got five players and only you know two show up here you go we're having a dragon battle bitches dun 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 <laughs> now the one that i do have to give you a tip because this is one of my favorite parts of it if you do the the flying grapple those fuckers and crash them into the side of mountains okay that 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 is my favorite part of playing the dragon is doing like a spiraling death dive and dropping them into a a mountain at full velocity. It was awesome. Until I cast a banish spell. Fucking banish. <laughs> um, but anyways, the other thing I want to say, you were concerned about um, dragon remains not being mopped up. There's two things you can do that I think. First is you don't know what they crash landed. It's hard to find, right? Make it hard to find. Actually, kind of coincide with that. Other people could have witnessed this and have raced and cleaned the place up where they get there and there's nothing of value left. Or maybe something small of value, so they don't feel like they were ripped off, um, but not enough to collect everything. that uh start for a neat little encounter adventure. Yeah. Like you go and you know, the dragon remains are gone. It's like, well, let's go find the people who took it and take it from them. <laughs> or, or better yet, if one of them wins, maybe let's say the, the, the big red dragon wins and it grabs each dragon in its tail and it flies away with them. Lunch. For, yeah, well, that's that's where I would go, right? You still need to eat. So, anyways, I love this encounter. I love this idea. Keep in mind, everyone, it's not limited to just dragons. That I think this is a great example. But we've talked on the show before about how you don't see like devils and celestials constantly fighting this war that we know is going on. Maybe when you need, uh, you have a, this kind of backdrop. Maybe if nobody shows up, they 
fucking demons and devils and and celestials fighting, and you give the character sheets to the you give the monster sheets to the players and have at it. That could be a really great filler to show the world being engaged, uh, the 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 living world. I encounter is a funeral that appears, but each player encounters something different. Says oh, Taylor. That's cool. Sam says huh. he also supply surprised the players and put it at the end of a session, so they had a whole week to prepare on what they're going to do, which I think is a really great idea. So, hey, thank you, uh, Sam, for submitting that awesome encounter. Please send me more. Um, I see his post. I see his comment. This guy, you, Sam, you are a writing machine. So feel free to fill out all of our encounters moving forward. Justin's <laughs> uh, out of ideas. <laughs> that's not what I said. But you implied it. Well, everyone I get makes my job a little easier. That'll do it for our encounter of the podcast. Uh, submitted by Sam Bridge. Thank you so much, patron Sam. Our magic item of the podcast is simply known as the mask. Smoking. So this is a wondrous and very rare item. This ancient-looking wooden green mask appears to slightly <laughs> shimmer with a mystical green aura. While wearing this mask, you are caught in a brief whirlwind of magic and become under the effects of the altar self spell. This does not require concentration. The DM rolls... On the NPC talents, mannerisms, interaction traits, ideals, and bonds tables in the DMG to determine the new personality of the altered self while you're wearing the mask. I am Cuban Pete. Getting out the rum my beats. Shake my maracas. I'll go ching ching boom ching ching boom. If the creature wearing the mask attempts to remove it, they must succeed a DC-18 wisdom saving throw. Ouch. If they fail, the mask remains in place until they finish a long rest, where they find the mask laying near them when they awaken. What do you guys think? I like it. Did you watch this recently? No. No? (laughs) Not at all. (laughs) I think you come up with, once you lock in the personality traits for that person, it stays with them, but then you roll down the table again for each new... Time a different person wears it. Oh, see, I didn't consider that. That's actually um, because he was thing. the same person every time he put the mask on, That's and when the mobster put it on, he was even the bigger dick. He was a different. Yeah, they, what did they say? It pulled out like their inhibitions or something. It pulled out their inner self. Yes. Yeah. Um, I love this idea because first, alter spell being able to cast daily is awesome. Yep. Um, but in addition to that, because it gives you slightly benefits, you know, you can grow gills if you want. You can change your height and you know give your change your character altogether. But what makes it interesting is an amazing roleplay opportunity for anybody that wears it because now there's a challenge set above them. This is your new personality while you have this mask on. Oh, you want to try to take it off? Sorry, you can't. Um, And so now they're stuck with whatever visual description they got, whether it's fins or flippers for swimming through water and, you know, like a seal walking on water or walking on land, you know. Sam says, I heard Ian say pulled out their inner self, and I imagined a wounded character pulling their intestines out. <laughs> that's funny. Um, so I really like this idea, uh, this, this magic item. Now, Alter Self is a second-level spell, so that's kind of, uh, uh, kind of powerful. But in the same token, this gives an opportunity and a challenge to a player to have to role-play a totally new character. And then they have to decide whether putting that mask on is worth the benefits. I think it's smoking! Oh, fuck. <laughs> uh... The whole song. Uh-huh. They call me Cuban Cuba Beat. I'm the king of the rumba beat. When I play the maracas, I go chicky, 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 chicky
Oh my god. All right. Uh, so that is our magic item, the mask. Definitely, I think this is fun, and I would love to have this in my game. So, and it probably will show up at some point. So, our dungeon master tip of the podcast is time. The, the greatest threat. threat. Oh, that was pretty good. Time. So, one of the most common things that we hear is, I'm going to check the room for loot and for secrets. We all know that players say, notice if they get a low roll, they're just going to keep rolling until, until they get what they want, right? Yep. We've talked about branching and stuff like that, but really, if they go into a building and they kill the, bad, they kill the, the guys in the room... Um, and sometimes even the big bad, there's not much threat left, so they can kind of search all they want over and over and over and over. And unfortunately, there's no real reason why they shouldn't do that, right? Um, Technically, no. You know, when, and after a battle, you also get, you know, players that say, okay, let's take a short rest. That way they're good and refreshed for the next battle, because once again, why wouldn't they? Of course, in the 5th edition, short rest are one hour, where in past editions, it was only five minutes. Right, so that does help a little bit. And once again, huh. you know, even oh. the players know that if they're refreshed, they do a better job. Um, and random encounters are often the reason they would avoid doing those things because DMs roll, you know, random encounters. If you know me, I don't like random encounters. I, I try not to use them, but sometimes I have to, cause it makes sense for the story. Oh, you got lost in a tra- traipsing through the jungle. Um, you stumbled across a T-Rex. Welcome to the jungle. <laughs> Fuck me. <laughs> um, we the games. I recently <laughs> ran a game of Chapel on the Cliffs and it's one of the first modules I've run that really made me feel the sense of time and the urgency that's involved with it. If you've not seen Goblin, uh, seen the game, you can watch the game on uh, Critica- or twitch.tv slash Critic Academy and check out our, our gameplay of it. In the, the Chapels and the Cliffs games, the village that they're in, every night zombies awaken and flood. Like, so much that they can't, they can't fend them off. They can't stop them. So time becomes super important because they have to get certain things done before the next night. Now, in our shortened three-hour version, there was only one night, but the idea is that it goes longer than that. And so, you know, as a, as a DM, tracking time is something I don't think gets done enough. And because of that, we allow players to do things like, oh, I can travel at a slow pace and make sure I don't get ambushed. Bum, ba, bum, Why bum, wouldn't bum, you do bum, that? Bum, bum, right? Bum, bum. Why wouldn't the players do that? They have no reason not to. That's always travel at a slow pace. Unless you specifically put something... To force them to go, they're always going to do that. And the same thing with the searching through the rooms. Um, now, as a DM, adding events that will occur as time moves on, with or without the PCs, even if it's just inside the location that they're at, is super important. Because you don't want... We've, I think we've talked in one of the, 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 the episodes about like the, mo- the, the mountain exploding and it's running lava and it's going to kill some shit. Um, Liquid hot magma. Um, so as I was thinking about this, what are some things... Um, that we could do to really push the the time rushing without having to always have something prepared on what's going on. And I think br- briefly we've talked before about escalation dice, if I'm not mistaken. Do you guys remember that? No, vaguely. I remember those from a um, while ago. And we talked about how escalation die can be used to be like an event calculator. Oh, we could take a time rock falls next to you from the Everton Volcano, or maybe we should, we should get going. Yeah. <laughs> so using a uh, uh, an escalation die, which is a D10, a D6, whatever D you want, and every time the player decide to spend time to do something, you just you click it over and it, it, it goes up. And then when it hits the max, some sort of special event happens. Now, it may be revol- revolve around what the cl- players are doing right now. It may not. For instance, let's say they decide to explore a dungeon. Their goal is to go in and retrieve said item for somebody, right? And they stop 
regularly to take short rests, and you decide you don't want to deal with generating random encounters, you could instead then inter, uh, increase this uh, escalation dice and decide that, okay, if they don't get through this by the time I fin- this tips off, some event happens back in the village, right? Somebody gets murdered, somebody goes missing. Um, bandits come into town. You can you can decide all that. So meanwhile, I, in Whitechapel. Yeah. <laughs> meanwhile, <laughs> back in the Hall of Justice, Aquaman's eating a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh this is a great sandwich. <laughs> but fuck. Oh yeah. Um, the same thing could be said for setting traps, right? Let's say the players take a long time to get to a dungeon, and there's ba- bandits in it. Maybe that escalation dice for as they're taking their time represents traps being set, an ambush being set, and the players may or may not know exactly what that die does, but it pushes them forward. It pushes them to want to not let it tip over, especially the more severe you make it. What do you guys think about that? Oh, I definitely think anything that can nudge players along to do things expediently is pretty good. Sam? That's that's because it's effing hard to track time, especially when the game is so ambiguous about it. <laughs> yes, and that's kind of the point with this, is it gives you an indicator, and it gives the players an indicator. And they, like I said, they don't have to know what's going to happen. They have to know that when it ticks over, even if it doesn't affect them right now, they'll be like, well, I wonder what just happened after it hit a 6 on a D6. I finished the midnight. Um, and, and using this as a tool to track time could help push players forward so they're not saying we walk slowly because as soon as you say they they walk slowly you would tick it up if they decide to take a rest you tick it up if they decide that they want to set up an ambush you you tick it up all those big choices that they make that take more time than normal to do they'll still accomplish them but now something else in the world is happening and they may not know what it is right then and right there and they might find out later as as players what would you guys think about something like that knowing that that's happening well, I know what to think because it has happened. You've done it with, with me before. As a matter of fact, I believe you had, I think it was a D10, and it was slowly going up because we were taking a sweet-ass time. Mm-hmm. And when it hit 10, you took the die away, and we're like, oh, okay, now nothing happened, good. By the time we got back to town, the guy that hired us, he wasn't there anymore. Yeah, so, so you there, got, was no payment. There, there was no payment for it, right? <laughs> because something scared him away. I don't know if you ever followed into why he disappeared, did you? No, I did I don't not. think so. He was kidnapped. But anyways... Um, <laughs> But he and he had warned you about that ahead of time. He, somebody was after him, and he wanted to get this item for I forgot it was a long time ago. But anyways, that to me is a powerful drive for the players to be aware of the time that they spend doing stuff. Whether that's good or not at your table, I don't know. I don't know if that's the best thing for your table. Every table's unique, but it does put a sense of urgency on stuff, doesn't it? And it shows that their choices are affecting the world around them. All right, that'll do it for our dungeon master tip: time, the greatest threat. And our fourth and final on our tips and trick is our player tip of the podcast. Don't be a dick. And you can avoid dickitude by improving party tactics. Some players can't help but see every missed opportunity that gives the PCs the best opportunity to succeed. And people who are big strategists, like Ian over here, yeah. are very honed in on those sort of things. Either in the form of terrain advantages or players choosing the wrong spell for the job or the wrong skill that needs to be done at hand. All those things. You you probably spot a lot of those, don't you? Yeah. The inefficiencies. Does it bug you? A little bit. Right. Um, so, perfect example right there. Um, we've talked about having, you know, discussions after combat uh, to improve group tactics and missed opportunities. But what if instead 
your character reacted to a bad decision during combat. Why did you make him prone, you That way we all have an advantage when he's on the ground so we can beat the living crap out of him even more efficiently. Kind of like that. <laughs> what the fuck just happened? So this is a this is a great role player opportunity if you're frustrated by seeing poor tactics. Consider how your character would feel. After all, you know, it's their their life on the line. If you fail to perform your task in an adventuring party, you're not risking your own life, you're risking other lives. So I was in range of that fireball, you idiot! If you express your character's frustration, especially in character with mannerisms and voice and all that jazz, um, it can help the player to not take the criticism personally. Additionally, this can help build your PC as someone who is you know, more knowledgeable in, in the aspects of combat and engagement um, during uh, battle, which becomes important. But as Ian just did perfectly, do not overdo it. <laughs> if your character is constantly complaining about bad tactics, they may just end up being booted from the party as nobody wants a backseat fighter, all right? Um, in the same token, <laughs> but, but in all honesty, this is a good way to do it. If the players are open to suggestion, and if you're a player and you're listening to this, you should always be open to suggestion. I'm not saying you have to follow what everyone says. You can always go that, well, it's my character, I can play how I want. But would your character choose to make this bad decision on purpose? Not generally. Often I find that it's an experience issue, right? He's on the edge of the cliff. Why didn't you shove him? Yeah, let's cast Fireball when the guy's standing on the edge of the cliff when just, you know, prodding him is enough. Things like that um, become important, and your characters would react to a poor decision. Don't you agree, Brandon? Yeah. Have you ever had a situation like this? <laughs> when I burned myself, my wife yelled at me. Because <laughs> <laughs> you did a decision that ended up purposely harming yourself, right? Uh, and getting myself killed and leaving her to the final fight, just her by herself. Now, would a character, a living creature, do that to themselves? No. Right, and that's 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 an example of a poor decision. You know, it's also that this... a good example of lessons learned. Yes, that's true. <laughs> um, but this is dangerous and slippery territory. Don't be the 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 rude, inconsiderate prick. Stay in character. Try not to do it too much. But if unless your right, character is a rude and inconsiderate prick. Well, then you'll just be left at the end. <laughs> uh, but it's important to remember that no matter how many games I play personally, Focus Fire seems to be the first shit that goes out the door. I don't understand that. Everyone knows if you attack the same target, it dies faster. But nobody does it. Everyone feels like they need to go after their own thing. And that, to me, is a poor tactic. So if I had a character who was intelligent and understood battle tactics, I would try to explain that in character um, by calling out, all right, you three, uh, we don't have any covered on this... Uh, this um, kobold slinging fire spells at us. We need to really get a handle on that first. Uh, Toruk and Jax, can you handle that? Toruk. And so they may choose to do that. They may not. But from a roleplay standpoint, that's something that makes sense. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. How would you take it if a, play, if a play, person in character said, My friend, your weapon would be much more effective against the enemy over there. The one with the big sawtooth blade. Do you think you can handle him? That big axe of yours definitely could do it. Get a good swing in him. I think you can handle it. Do you, do if you, it's said right, then I think it'd be more inspirational than taking it as criticism. And, and, and that's, that's the point. If I was to say, hey, asshole, go attack the fucking <laughs> other guy. He's weak against slashing. Go chop him up. Uh, eat a dick? Yeah. You're, you're, more, you're less likely to be open to it. So um, once again, you got to do this sparingly, but in, in, in character and with good... Intentions? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, you have good results and everybody will be better for it. Now, if you have, this, this character always happens, if you have the character who likes to hide during combat, encourage the enemy to go after him. 
<laughs> Why are you attacking me? He's an open target. You know, I don't know. But staying in character and trying to build, improve your party tactics is definitely something you should work towards if you run into players who mostly, generally it's an inexperienced character or somebody who's stuck in their ways to do something a specific way. And you can break those just by having open dialogue in character. That'll do it for our show today. Um, Excellent. Before we close out the show today, we have one more gift to give away. Compliments of Jeff Stevens. It's been a long few days of travel, and the adventurers are tired of eating rations and sleeping on the ground. The road opens to a small town with an inviting tavern. The smells of grilling meat and ale fill their nostrils, and the sound of laughter and music float out the tavern's door. Unlucky for the adventurers, they've stumbled upon Dragon's Breath Tavern. What starts out as a pleasant evening of food, drink, and entertainment soon evolves into an adventure that takes the party into and under Dragon's Breath Tavern. The adventure includes roleplay, exploration, combat, and a dice game called Demon Dice. Ian, who's our winner today? Our winner is Nick is Happy. Congratulations, Nix is happy. This is the second thing he's won. If you enjoy the adventure, please head on over to DM's Guild and make sure to leave Jeff Stevens a review. Let him know what you like, what you didn't like, and help him improve his products moving forward. In closing, please join us on our next episode where we hear feedback from you, our heroes. We continue on our Midgard Heroes class analysis of The Fighter. If you have any feedback on Earth tips and tricks or topics you would like us to discuss, please send them to us. You can email them to us at CritAcademy at gmail.com or find us on Twitter and Facebook at CritAcademy. We hope you enjoyed your experience here at Crit Academy. If you did, you can help others find our show by leaving a hopefully five-star review on iTunes. If you do not have iTunes, you can still leave a review. Or you can just send us a message telling us how much you enjoy the show. Also, be sure to give us a like and a share. And make sure you just subscribe to our show at CritAcademy.com so we can help you on your future adventures, as well as be entered to win cool prizes each and every week. You'll also find links to our fellowship members there as well. Yes, definitely check them out. Um, if you haven't listened to Interparty Conflict uh, with Gabe and Jeff, they do great content. Every week they answer your questions and do a far better job than we do, and they're much nicer than us. As well as D&D Character Lab, who, as of the recording of this episode, just had their one-year anniversary, so congratulations to Dan and Garen. It's a big milestone, so that's exciting. If you've not listened to D&D Character Lab, they build complex characters every single week and argue, like, a pair of true bards argue their validity in-game. Back and forth, it's absolutely hilarious. Check it out. I am your host, Justin. I'm your co-host, Brandon. And I'm your co-host, Ian. Thanks for listening. Keep your blades sharp and spells prepared, heroes! today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. 
Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.